thank you. Welcome to another edition of the Dogger Pass Podcast. This for UFC Vancouver. Gaethje versus Cowboy. Cowboy versus Gaethje. Cody Saptics here. I, I think Cowboy. It's Cowboys first, but whatever. Um, I guess maybe more name cachet there. I like how they just like market him as just Cowboy now. Yeah. yeah. Oliveira lost like, that when he lost to Cowboy. That's a good point. Is that like they don't even you know you don't see Donald Cerrone on the UFC website except for if you go to his profile page or something like that you'll see it. But oh, it's just interesting how he's literally he's become like Madonna or or other people who have like single names Ronaldo. Yeah, that's what happens over time once you become a legend, which Donald Cerrone is. There's no denying the man is a legend, but. Is this cowboy on his last ride? That's what we'll have to get at some point when we start the show. Wow, nice. Nice little pun there, Cody. Um, uh, before we get to any of that, okay, so like UFC Uruguay. After that episode, we immediately recorded UFC 241. So uh, our buddy, uh, Augustin Knight, sorry, Augustin Knight Adams, uh, he won. And he was just like, I love the DK Bucks. I really appreciate the DK Bucks and everything. But I wanted to shout out even on more. the show. Even more than the 20 DK Bucks. Then you fast forward. The, like, it, was, it was on that weekend, I guess. And then when, when it, oh, yeah, I was drunk. I came in last week with no voice and stuff. My voice is booming again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Greasy booming. theories. Maybe not too far off. <laughs> Khabib was nice and relaxed in his performance. I wonder why, Paul. I wonder what you did for him to have him so stress-free. Yeah. I don't know. So basically what happened is I told them in dms that i would do a shout out on the show totally forgot because i was drinking had no voice and was a mess obviously coming into last week's episode forgot so this one's for you augustin uh augustinite shout out to augustinite adams who says adopt dogs don't shop and littering is for pussies so congratulations to him winner of dk box for ufc uruguay um this week's winner is our boy uh, do, 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 John McCurdy, who is Johan 125. Congratulations, you won DK Bucks, DK Bucks. and you got the shout out on the proper show. And we're gonna get to some of those greasy theories at the end of the yeah, show. Yeah, we we, we, sure we printed out a action. bunch of the greasy theories from last week. We're gonna read through of them, maybe have some fun at the end of the episode. So if you don't want to listen to any of our takes on any of the fights coming up, just skip out to that. It's probably gonna be the most fun. Um, and then what else do we have here? Oh yeah. This week's uh, draw, we didn't even talk about it. No. All this other stuff, reading through all the other... We're really bad at this. we got to figure out a better system for, like, picking these. It happens all the time. We come in here, we don't even, you know... We're just having a good time, chatting it up, and then all of a sudden, it's just like, oh... The show's already started. Here we are. Let's we just, don't we don't actually have a DK Bucks <laughs> challenge for people. Let's here. just keep it real simple this week. Which fight are you most looking forward to? Because clearly we don't even have a say in who the fuck wins these things, right? So put in your DK handle, yes. leave a like of the show, and pretty much whatever else you want at this point. Just wh whatever fight you are most looking forward to. I think Pat Mayo randomly selects it. And yeah. You will have your shot. And if you want a shout out get at Paul when he is sober, which I don't know. seems to be 50-50. Like, you're, you're looking good these now days. I, I'll admit, you're looking good. Last week, I was like, good God. I was guy's broken. dying on me. I was a broken man. Broken I was a broken man. man. But, but Khabib's got you feeling good. Yeah. You got, that it was a good it's card, true. actually. It was a good card. 100%. We'll, we'll talk about all that later on in the episode, but uh, let's get right into the action, and this is probably going to be the chalk 
in the uh, the DK uh, Bucks giveaway this week. We got Justin Gaethje taking on Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Ju- uh, Justin Gaethje, 9,000 on DraftKings, a minus 200 favorite. Donald Cerrone, 7,200 and plus 165. Take it away, Cody Saftik. Yeah, well, again, we started off the show by talking about how much of a legend Donald Cerrone is, and he deserves his dues 100%. At 36 years old, you got to wonder at some point he can't keep fighting the top contenders. He can still give us thrilling fights. He can still give us exciting moments. He can still capitalize on young, green, up-and-coming fighters like Mike Perry and Alex Hernandez. And the ally Quinta fight, that one, I, I, I didn't bet him there, but I truly thought that I Quinta would pressure him a little bit more, and he just he got stung early, and he abandoned that game plan altogether. But Gaethje's been there. He's been stung. He's not green like Hernandez, who was supposed to pressure him as well, but as soon as he got hit for the first time, he was like, damn, I haven't experienced this before. Gaethje's not like that. He's got basically at all he's got a great chin he's got great cardio he's got solid wrestling despite the fact that you never see it you won't see him shoot a takedown here i just mean cerrone's very versatile right part of cerrone's game is the fact that he can blend his striking in with his takedowns Mm -hmm. but if he's not taking down justin gaethje and it's going to be very tough to take down and then hold down justin gaethje he's just got a striking battle on his hand he's got somebody that's going to be coming forward the whole time swinging bongs swinging hooks staying in his face his leg kick game like don't get me wrong donald cerrone's got a hell of a leg kick Mm -hmm. game but, I mean, so does Gaethje, and it will affect Cerrone. It will affect him for sure. At 36 years old and him being tall, lanky, kind of upward-standing fighter, those light kicks will hurt him. I'm not going to say he's going to get desperate, but you saw in his last fight, right, between rounds, Joe Schilling's telling him, like, you got to go for it, man. Like, they're, they're, not, they're not realizing at this point he's fucked. Yeah. But more or less they're realizing after the first round with Tony Ferguson, this guy's not going away. He's going to keep pressure. You had a good first round. But you're not going to go with this guy for a sustained pace over a long period of time. He's just bringing too much. You either got to catch them and beat them, or that's it. And I don't see him catching and beating Gaethje. He's got paths. He's got that head kick. He's got those nasty knees to the body. He's got a decent light kick game himself. Gaethje doesn't have the best striking defense. Like He leaves himself open to get, you know, like Donald Cerrone head kick. Can put anybody's lights out if it hits in the right spot at the right time. Like. Yeah, plus when Cerrone's feeling good, I mean, the guy's landing four or five punch combinations. Yep. I mean, look at the fight with Rick Story. Look at the fight with Matt Brown. Like, when he gets feeling good, he'll start teeing off on guys. And could a guy with lackluster striking defense like Justin Gaethje get pieced up by a guy like Donald Cerrone? Yes. But 30-year-old Justin Gaethje's got a couple more big fights left in him. Whereas after that last fight with Tony Ferguson, who's one of the best in the world, it's like Donald's here for fun, exciting fights, and he's not going to challenge for a title. Gaethje's here for fun and exciting fights, but he is going to challenge for a title. He's right there. He's knocking on the door. Smoked Barbosa, smoked James Vick, which doesn't seem like a, a huge thing anymore, but still all the same. We know what he brings. And those are first-round knockouts. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't forget the fact that the guy can go five rounds, and he can push a pace. The only guys that have stood up to him, Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier, had to withstand that damage and give it right back. Mm-hmm. The thing with Cerrone is he can give it, but I don't know that he can take no. that much damage in return and keep on chugging. So I got to go with Justin Gaethje. He's minus 200. It's not a bad mm-hmm. price tag. And $9,000, Paul. Uh, he always scores dude, up to dude, that. Dude, you lock, you lock in Justin Gaethje. All of those he words, everything scores. you just said, like, honestly, it's just... All right, we go back to Donald Cerrone when he used to take on our, uh, when he took on RDA. And like a lot of his earlier fights are the fights that like you're just like, oh, Donald Cerrone really shit the bed in this fight. What happened? He had an opponent that came came forward like a bat out of hell to come kill him. RDA he takes Pettis, a bit. Diaz, he yeah. needs he needs to kind of now now maybe he's gotten over that mental mentally, right? Like he he's looked a little bit sharper earlier in fights, but these this is against lower grades of competition again, right? So. Uh, Justin Gaethje's coming at you like a battering ram until he kills you. 
Right. $9,000 on DraftKings? Justin Gaethje? Like, I don't... I, I don't care what his ownership is. I'm just I'm just playing him. Like he, he can lose. It's not like it's I'm not saying he's a lock to win this fight, but like I don't know how you don't play him. Like you can pay up for some of these other people, you know, the Marvin Vittori's for 94. You have Justin Gaethje in a main event with Donald Cerrone there, and Gaethje's just probably the most exciting fighter on the roster. He's just coming forward trying to finish you. I wish he would use that wrestling. Then he would be an absolute mega superstar on DraftKings. But um, yeah, he's uh, it's, it's an easy, the, the line actually moved from like 180, 190 last night to, uh, to minus 200. So it's starting to move that way. I would get on it. Yeah. Again, I don't disagree. When you, when you talk about the fact that guys that pressured him in the past, like RDA and Anthony Pettis and uh, guys, you know, bef- before that period of time where he maybe got over the hump, the Darren Till fight is another example of a big, strong guy gets in his face and pressures him. You can beat him in the Ferguson fight. My last thing, it's a greasy theory, because Donald Cerrone's a legend. You can't even talk shit about this guy. But Donald Cerrone's had 50 MMA fights, right? And he's had something like 25 pro kickboxing matches. Guy's like 75 fights. He's got a lot of street fights, too. I remember one time him and Leonard Garcia beat up a bunch of guys at a at a, like a house party in Albuquerque. Um, yeah, the guy's been around for a long time, right? With that last fight with Ferguson, now he's got a kid. And, and we, we're all talking about how confident Donald Cerrone is. Geez, you know what? He's Dad Cerrone. Dad Cerrone is a whole different piece. This guy's real confident. Dad Cerrone feels that confidence. He goes out there. But at the same time, Dad Cerrone's have his way against Hernandez. He had his way against Mike Perry. He had his way against Ally Quinta. With Tony Ferguson, he put up a fight because he's a fighter. He's always going to go down swinging. He puts up a fight. But there's a part of him, I think, after the first round that shuts down and says, fuck. I don't want to go five with Tony and get all this damage. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go a guns a blazing in the second round. Poirier kind of did the same thing with Khabib. After the first round, he's like, I have no chance of going 25 minutes, nor should I take this kind of beating for 25 yeah, we're minutes. going down swinging. I, I'm just, I got two minutes, and that's why he comes out swinging. But when it doesn't work, he loses. Cerrone comes out swinging. When it doesn't work, he blows his nose and swells up his eye and gets a TKO due to, you know, doctor stopped because of his eye. A savvy veteran like that, I'm not saying he did it on purpose. You know, like maybe he's got a concussion at this point. Maybe he's feeling it. I just mean it's going to be the same thing with Gaethje. Not only am I backing Gaethje, which we've just spoke about. Not only do I think Gaethje for 9,000 is good. I'm thinking like the under two and a half. I feel like Cerrone's going to go out there and give him a go. But when that go doesn't work, he's not going out there with the game plan of pick this guy apart for 25. He's going out there like catch this guy coming in in the first 10 minutes. Hey, I'm going to go out on my shield. And if he doesn't... If he doesn't get him in the first 10 minutes and he goes out in a shield, it'll be that under two and a half. So that's something I'm looking into, but not locking in right away. We got uh, Glover Teixeira taking on Nikita Krylov. Krylov, 8,500, minus 115 favorite. Glover Teixeira, 7,700, and minus 105. Right off the hop, I actually kind of like Glover in this fight. I just think he has more paths to victory. He's, He's obviously 39 years old. That's... You know, he's, he's been in a lot of wars and stuff. He's been fighting professional since 2002. Yeah, the Nikita Krylov head kick knockout loss for for uh, Glover Teixeira is obviously not out of the realm of possibility. But for, like first off, from a DraftKings perspective, 7,700 Glover Teixeira. I think Glover's smart. He's a, he's a savvy vet. He's probably going to move forward. He's probably going to try to get into dirty boxing range, look for a takedown. When he gets Nikita Krylov to the ground, he's going to have a massive advantage there. That that path seems very, very crystal clear. He could eat some damage. We've seen Glover be a little bit chinny, or chinny, 
Yeah, it's like Rumble Johnson killed him, but it's like Rumble Johnson kills everybody. So like, yeah, Rumble Johnson kills everybody. Gustafson nailed him with like the nastiest yeah, of shots. Yeah, man, it's two hundred five pounds, and this guy's thirty nine years old. Like he's round. been around. Um, yeah, I kind of like I I really like Glover here in terms of like I just kind of think of like Glover versus or sorry Shirkinov versus Krylov, and I know Krylov's improved a lot probably since then and so on and so forth. But like Glover's just like a way better version of Misha Shirkinov to me. He's obviously old. He's taking a lot of damage. Maybe he gets knocked out, but like, I like him there. There's obviously more odds value, like minus 105 minus or minus 115 for the odds there. Um, yeah, I like Glover. Give me Glover on DraftKings and I'm probably going to bet him as well. Maybe I'll wait until the weigh-ins just to look at them, but but it's probably going to be a pick by that time anyway. Yeah, but, dude, yeah. it's it's unbelievable. Glover Teixeira turns pro in 2002. Uh, he's been fighting basically forever. He was like the unheralded king of the light heavyweights prior to ever signing with the UFC. Uh, guy's just absolutely been around. He challenges John Jones for the world title in 2014. And then you're right. He gets knocked out by John, John or Anthony Johnson in 2016, knocked out by Gustafson in 2017. He's 39 years old. Damn, dude, he's looking pretty good. Like mm-hmm. he he's he's very savvy. He's a durable guy. He's slow. He's plotting. He was known back in the day for like big power. Like, man, he swings these hooks and he hits you. That power, it's not that it's not there anymore. He can sting you. He's not a one-punch guy. He can sting you and then get you to the ground. And when he gets these guys to the ground, it helps a lot that he's in the 205-pound division where most of these guys are just not all that mobile off their backs. But once he gets them on the ground, he has his way with them. Mm-hmm. And he's actually fought the Nikita Krylov prototypical fighter his last two fights. His last fight with Carl Robertson. But he's putting it on him. He is getting stung left, right, and center by this young, athletic, rangy kickboxer. Mm-hmm. And what does he do? He eventually gets him to the ground. And when he gets him to the ground, he hits him with an arm triangle choke. His patented move that has been trusty over the years. His next fight with Ian Kudalaba. Ian Kudalaba is a young, athletic, heavy-hitting guy. He's not rangy like Krylov with better or Carl wrestling Robeson. than Krylov. Yeah, but he's got a Sambo background. He's a European Sambo champion. I mean, Maybe not as crisp as striking. And whereas I'm a firm believer that Ian Kudalaba's got seven minutes of cardio. Yeah, you know, people said he was EPO in a little bit and that he'd be able to go a little bit, but it's the same thing. He has early adversity, but it's like once I tire these guys out and get them on the ground, I have my way. Krylov's entire career is him blowing guys out early in the first round. Smokes them, head kicks, guillotine, whatever. It has his way with these guys early in the first round. When it doesn't pan out for him, he crumples under the pressure and gets usually generally submitted. I mean, his fight with OSP is the same thing. It's like he's put in bad situations against OSP. But, I mean, you can look through his entire record. It's the same thing, right? The Jan Blakovic fight, he's a favorite. He's going to go out and smoke out Jan. But Jan's durable. And even though he's not known for his ground game, it doesn't matter. Once Krylov gets tired, you could have a mediocre ground game and get away with it. Glover doesn't have a mediocre ground game. He schooled Misha Cherkinov on the ground. Misha Cherkinov is one of the better guys in the division, right? The Ovin St. Prue fight for Nikita Krylov, he gets mounted by St. Prue. Unfortunately, St. Prue shot these days, like just does not look good. Overcomes it and ends up submitting him. He ends up mounted by Glover Teixeira. I, I can't put yeah, guarantees on over. anything, but it'll be a fucking arm triangle choke. Yeah, I'll almost fucking, if I could bet the exact submission, I, people will be like, oh, he gives up mount, he'll roll up and give up his back, he'll be a rear naked. He'd be like, no, he won't roll and give up his you back. You give him at least a Glover minute. Just you give him a minute. You give him a minute, He's it's over. Now, here's the dangerous thing about this fight. Even though the Glover, this feels like a good play, and Glover is minus 105, right? He's technically the underdog in this fight, even though Bookie always 
wins because he's still, you know, you're yeah. not never going to get even here. He's always vague. <laughs> right, and he's $7,700. All that makes sense. Thing is, is because if you're going to go play one lineup, if Glover is going to lose this fight, he's, he, he'll get smoked up. Like, that's mm -hmm. his way. He's not going to lose a three-round decision. He's not going to get TKO'd in the third round. He'll get... I don't even think that little guillotine choke works on Glover. I mean, he'll probably get booted in the head, or there's no denying that Nikita Krylov is way faster than Glover Teixeira. Yep. Glover's just got to stay in the fight long enough to, to get Nikita to, to, to his speed. To capitalize on his moment. Yeah, once Krylov slows down a bit and gets to his speed, and but what I mean by that is you'll see it in Todd Duffy's fight. He needs to fucking take you out real fast, or his speed will just diminish to whatever level you're at. And when it does, you can take advantage. That's the same thing here. Texera's just got to survive long enough to get it. And I really do feel that arm triangle choke being the path to victory. I think $7,700 is a great play for DK. And I think the minus 105, definitely something you could hit. We got Jeff Hughes taking on Todd Duffy. Uh, Jeff Hughes, 8,300, minus 120 favorite. Todd Duffy, 7,900 and plus 100. Well, you're talking about it. And you're saying we'll see it in the, in the Todd Duffy fight. So uh, take it away. Todd Duffy was everybody's darling, dude. Like Todd Duffy is if you were to take a power lifter, like a power lifting champion, just guys chiseled like a god, and somehow make him an incredible athlete and gave him three solid years of basic boxing training, you'd have Todd Duffy. And the guy comes in here, he just overruns opponents, he gets a, his UFC debut, he knocks out, uh, our, you know, rest in peace, Tim Hag, uh, in like seven seconds. It was then the UFC knockout for fastest knockout before they like overturned and gave Dwayne Ludwig the record, whatever. Anyways, like he's everybody's darling. People love Todd Duffy. And like, wow, what an unbelievably tragic story this guy's like career has taken. He's been fighting professionally for over a decade and has like virtually nothing to show for it. Now, when you look at these guys on the scale, you'll be very tempted to bet Todd Duffy. Hey, he's got hair now. It's super weird. But the guy's always in incredible shape. He's always jacked. He always comes out extremely fast with the extremely he heavy like shots. He looks like somebody you would cast in a movie of, that would be an MMA fighter. If you were to do a remake of the famous James Caan movie, The Program, and you needed somebody to cast as Steve <laughs> Latimer looking for a place at the table, it would be Todd Duffy, let me tell you. Like, the guy's just... Like, it's it's unbelievable that in this day and age, this guy is clean as a whistle, but he is. So, he hasn't fought in four years, and going back to that, he had three major issues. But four, maybe five major issues. Issue number one, mad anxiety. Comes into his fights, super pent up. That's why when he gets out there, he just tries to get it over with mm -hmm. as soon as possible. When he was fighting weaker competition, it worked for him. When he started taking on mediocre level competition like Mike Russo, they were just simply able to take the first four minutes of offense that he has, and then he crumples up, right? Second issue that he has, fucking terrible chin. Terrible, terrible chin. Mm -hmm. Mike Russo hits this guy with a half shot and rendered completely unconscious, Paul. I mean, as unconscious as you'll ever see somebody in the octagon. Back of his head slams against the against the, the canvas. He's out before he hits the ground. It's a nasty knockout. Then he goes to Dream. He fights Alistair Overeem for the Dream heavyweight title. <laughs> Bad move, man. Whoever advised him on that, terrible move. But he lasts 19 seconds. He eats a shot to the gut, like a knee to the body. And it's a left hook from Overeem. That's not a half shot that knocks him out. That's a full shot. But the, the ropes suspend his lifeless body as he's on the ropes. He is so unbelievably unconscious, it's crazy. Then he fights Frank Mir. Frank Mir hits him with a three-quarter shot. Damn, dude. Like, that is one of the nastiest. His body just crumples to the ground. He's not getting knocked out, Paul. He's all the way knocked out. So he'll always have his athleticism, I think. He's only 33, which is decent for heavyweight. He'll have that athleticism. He'll, he'll have that ability to come out there and maybe knock you out in the first two, three minutes. But beyond that, he just doesn't got anything. And the fact that what he has that anxiety. What if he's solved his anxiety? 
Well, it, it, it's certainly possible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been yeah. gone for so long, you kind of start to question, why were you gone for so long? See, maybe I, he was sorting things out. Maybe he, maybe it's like a Frankie murder. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, like, you remember when Frankie murdered and everyone's like, oh, the guy's shot, he's broken. Just like, only Frankie knows that. Yeah, so thanks for getting me back on track here. I said there was five major concerns here. I only got through the first two. He's got the anxiety <laughs> and the bad chin. I gotta get the other ones. <laughs> the guy's got a really bad knee. I mean, he's had multiple knee operations. It's something that's hindered him. Yes, he's fast and athletic. But when you're that big, he's like 250 pounds of solid muscle, and you move the way he does, it just takes its toll on you, and he has, a, he, has, he has a bum knee. Then he has a bum shoulder. I mean, bum shoulder, Paul. He's had a lot of work done on this shoulder. It's hindered him. He's missed gaps in his career just because of the shoulder injury of loan. And then the last thing, the fifth thing, he had this like neurological issue that basically fucked his balance up. Yeah. And so all of this and a bad contract that he was trying to get out of culminates in four years of being off. But here's the one kicker here. After four years off, he finally gets out of his contract. And Ali Abdelaziz, of all people, signs him like 12 weeks ago. And now he has his UFC debut is booked over a very winnable fight for him. If he's if he still got it, he could 100% go out and smoke Jeff Hughes, who looked absolutely abysmal against Maurice Green. Why can't Todd Duffy win this fight? Thing is, though, is that Jeff Hughes can take a punch. And the, yeah, he's just and got he has a, more than just... four minutes of cardio. <laughs> and he doesn't panic when he runs out of that four minutes of cardio. The one time he did get knocked out, I mean, out, it's a, it's a, it tight, it's a tightly lined heavyweight fight. Like, I mean, Duffy is your GPP play on DraftKings. He's probably he's looking for that finish if he's going to get the finish it's going to be super super early yeah he, you're going to probably need him as a 7900 guy who scores over 100 points he's guaranteed 100 if he but did. like they're super like it's either that or he scores maybe 10 points in that first four minutes and then like cruises out to like 30 as like you know, his four would be even less it'd be like 17 or something like that if they will if they go three rounds yeah 100 percent. when you look at the fight like with Mike Russell, he'll throw no strikes he'll be dog tired it'll be ugly but like jeff hughes wins fights that way well that's exactly it and i know the russell fight is a really long time ago and he has improved leaps and bounds both in his boxing and maybe not the cardio but it's he lands wicked shots early but then his output falls off and when you watch that fight it feels like he lands so many punches but when his striking, his final striking set was like 54 significant strikes. Like he, it, it falls off, it declines sharply. So Jeff Hughes, the one time he did get knocked out, it was in the fifth round, right? Against mm -hmm. Daniel Spawn years back. Fifth round finish. There's only a three round fight. Okay, at least I'll have that. He has beaten Maurice Green one time for the LFA title in a five round fight. So he has gone five rounds. He's the number one training partner for Stipe Miocic, who's coming off a fight not all that long ago in which he looked fantastic. Looked you, you know good. Hughes is getting work in there. Yeah. He's coming off his UFC debut in which he looked very, very gun-shy. But it's his UFC debut. So an excuse can be made for him. In fact, if you rewatch the fight with Green, they're speculating within the first three and four minutes of the fight, like, yeah, like Hughes doesn't look the same. Like, there's a good chance that he's now... To his defense, he loses the first round. He looks gun-shy, absolutely. The second round, he wins despite getting dropped by a stiff jab. <clears throat> he just pounces back up. I thought he won the second round, but he breaks his hand in the second round. And in the third round, he doesn't do anything because he's got a broken hand. The UFC jitters have gone to him. He's tired. It's his debut. He shits the bed. So if people are, gonna, if people are putting this at even, well, Duffy's been off for four years, but used to be a prospect. And geez, Hughes looked really bad his last fight. 
I'll go Duffy. I, I fully and completely expect to see a better version of Jeff Hughes. I don't think this guy's all that good. And I think when you look at them on the scale, you're going to be like, oh, my God, milk bags fighting G.I. Joe? Yeah. Why this are you is, suggesting Sometimes I like looking at, at at the weigh-ins and looking at the scale. Like, I used that for, like, Akhmedov versus Cummings last week. I was like, oh, my God, Cummings is not an athlete. Like, the, the athleticism difference between the two of those guys looked pretty severe to me when I looked at them next to each other. But, like, you already know the actual case here with Duffy. So, like, I wouldn't read into that type of stuff. Yeah, and the very last point I'll make on it is that Duffy only throws punches. You've never seen him shoot a takedown. You've never seen anybody try to take him down, really. You've never seen him have to be off his back. You've never seen him throw kicks, Paul. He doesn't do... Mike, I remember one time between rounds, Mike Russo tells Who's him. the pick here? Sorry, not Mike Russo. Oh, I think we've, we've spent we got, entirely too much. Like, we've spent okay, eight we'll minutes pass. talking we'll about Todd we'll Duffy versus... Yeah, 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 yeah. Who, who, it it is only, a pass. Like, I'm not betting this. Yeah, think. it's a pass, but because I'm going to give an official pick, I'm going to take Jeff Hughes. I yeah. would... Consider 8,300 because if, if Duffy just – listen, Duffy can, doesn't go to get, decision, dog. If you can get to the he round – He doesn't go to decision. If so if you're picking to, Jeff Hughes, you, he could score good. If you can get to round one and these guys go to their corners, that could be live betting gold right there. Live betting gold for sure. If uh, Hughes just survives uh, the first round against <laughs> Duffy. Okay, so Duffy versus Mir, round one. Duffy versus Anthony Hamilton, round one. Duffy versus Philip DeFries, round one. That fight he took in India for Super Fight League in between getting cut, yeah, it was around 34 seconds against Neil Grove. And then him versus Alistair Overeem was 19 seconds. The last time he made it out of the very first round was over nine years ago. It was the fight with Mike Russo. In let's which get he, to round. Let's get to the let's get to the corners, boys. And okay, then we hammer so that. So in this discussion just now, I've realized I'm going like, to pass, we have I'm going to pass Jeff Hughes on the money line. I'm playing Jeff Hughes on DK. He's just gonna last five minutes. Yeah. It's just got a last five minutes. Story of my life, too. Unless Ali Abdelaziz knows something I do not, which he probably does, which is why he signed him. And I know I said final point, but now I've got a last final point. Oh, my God. And then we're definitely moving on. This is the most extensive I know, Duffy I know, I know. Hughes something just Because something just clicked in my head. Something just clicked point. in my head. Duffy starts his career in Indiana, right? Then he moves to Las Vegas where he spends one fight. Then he goes to American Top Team in Florida where he spends one fight. Then he went to AKA in San Jose where he spent one fight. Then he took four years off and now he's at the Performance Institute in Las Vegas. The Performance Institute, apparently he's not sparring a whole lot. Apparently when he was at other camps, he didn't like sparring because he doesn't like getting in there with the big boys. So without that sparring in the four years, his timing is going to be off. His card is going to be off. I, I, I've talked myself more into liking Jeff Hughes, but your smart play would just to be crack a beer and have fun because it'll be fun while it lasts. But uh, anything could happen. Imagine spending that much time talking with Jeff Hughes and Todd Duffy when Michelle Pereira, who was supposed to take on the Candyman, Sergey Kandoshko, is uh, taking on late replacement, 33-year-old Canadian from the BC area, Vancouver, BC, um, Tristan Connolly. Pereira, there is no odds for it yet, but he is 9,500 on DraftKings, and Tristan Connolly is 6,700. So, what would you estimate the price would be like 450, 500? Like, probably. That's yeah. what I would think. That's what I was, that and was, like, the, what I would think. And the thing about Pereira, and like, I love it shouldn't him. be. That's, he that's is like, this guy is entertainment personified, but we got to think about him that way. Like, don't be rushing to, like, if they throw a, a really, really safe line, like, it was like minus 200, okay, I'm in, but like, the way that this guy fights tells you that you probably should not be 
betting large chalk, like large minus numbers on a guy like this. Cause like for all the brilliance that we saw in, in his fight and like, I was on him. I was excited about, I love this guy. I love him as an entertainer. If if you're getting like a minus like 700 minus 800 on him, like I don't know much about Tristan Connolly yet, but like the way that Pereira fights, it's just like, while he's doing one of these spinning helicopter kicks, oh God, he didn't land it. He falls on his back, gets choked out. Like, that's why he's twenty three and nine. Like this guy's going to lose fights. <laughs> so he's twenty three and nine. But like we, even if he loses fight, he loses to Austin Connolly. I don't want to see on the internet. Oh, this guy was a bust. Oh my god, all the hype jobs. Just like no, this guy's just super entertaining. Let Michelle Pereira do his thing. That's my take on it. But yeah, I think he, I think he rolls through this uh, one hundred and fifty five pound submission expert. Uh, Canadian who's going to have to get a takedown on a much bigger guy. Like Pereira looks pretty jacked for 170. Looked pretty big against Danny Roberts while he was out there. Um, yeah, he's huge. I think he, he's I think huge. he, I think he absolutely feasts on Tristan Connolly for our enjoyment. And I am here for all the entertainment. Yeah, he's a massive 170. The only time he's ever been knocked out is his last pro loss, which is three fights back, four fights back. And it's at 185. Like at 170, dude, like he packs it in. And for a guy that's that big for the weight class, like, yeah, he's unbelievably athletic. Thing it's is, at 170. Is that, this it's, at, it's at 170, yeah. but he's fought at 185 pounds. Oh, sorry, my bad. He's fought at 205 pounds in Korea. And yeah, when he Karen, fought in yeah. Korea, at 205 it was open weight like his mm-hmm. opponents were coming in at egregious weight differences but it didn't matter because they had terrible records and he's way faster than them. whatever but yeah dude he's not here to have winning fights he's here to have entertaining fights and that's what he is he just goes out there and you shouldn't be disappointed but there's the problem with betting on him mm-hmm. how many times have you bet a fight it's a close one there's two minutes left in the third round the you're the fighter that you've got is standing over the opponent. You know when the opponent's like on his back and they're sitting there and they're kicking the legs. And you know, all you gotta do, motherfucker, is get back in his guard for the remaining two minutes of the round. And they sit there and they kick and you're upset. When they settle in that guard and they grind out that two minutes and you get the win, you say, geez, I like this guy. Mm-hmm. Good ring IQ. When they sit there and kick the legs for a few seconds, the ref stands the other guy back up. The other guy bum rushes him and steals the last little bit and you lose. You think, that guy's being a bad ring IQ. This guy would do a motherfucking backflip to try to like stomp on you. Like, Well, like, first off, this guy's not no... seeing any third rounds pretty much for the most part. Well, like it's kill or be killed for the most like, part. His, his techniques are at least... Some fights you see him take his time. And then yeah. some fights it's like there's there's nothing to it but it's when he gets feeling it like i think he's smart enough to go out there and realize like oh i've got a decent opponent i've seen him fight ishmael de jesus in shudo and ishmael de jesus is a big boy and a, a very competent fighter and like he's not fucking around like he goes out there and tries to fight it gives him a hell of a fight by the way but like fights like what you'd expect somebody to fight like with his other fights in Korea, he's doing spinning stuff. He's doing backflips because, Paul, the guys are like one and two, four and five. Like, it doesn't really matter. And then he comes to the UFC and it's like, Danny Roberts is no joke. But Danny Roberts is a small 55er. Well, he's not a small 55er, I should say. He's a small 170. Probably should fight at 55. And he starts off the fight kind of normal. And then he's like, oh, buddy. Buddy's fighting scared. I got this guy. Mm-hmm. And then he just goes right after him. So it's like, there's a lot to like about this guy. He's a GPP dream in the sense that you know yeah, like at he's going to go for it. I wouldn't yeah. bet him on the money line because there's a good chance that he just shits the bed and loses. Yeah. But and as far as like, much, like, he's going to be, he's going to be at least minus 500, I think, by fight time. At least. Yeah, I would think he'd be at least 500. He's got a lot of things going for him. He's got the full camp. He's naturally probably he's naturally a very big 170 but he's gonna have that size advantage i mean Connolly's 155 at best Connolly's also got i hate to say it journeyman record like 13 and 6 mm-hmm. 
but this will be my shocker of the week. I'm going to take Tristan Connolly. I think, what? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm very familiar with Tristan Connolly, and the deck is completely stacked against him here. He's making his debut on two weeks' notice, jumping up a weight class. He's a big, big enough 55er. Like when he's when he doesn't get a full camp, he'll fight at 160. Seen odds, and you're taking him. Because I'm you're assuming, taking him straight I, up. I'm assuming based on the 9500, and that's why I speculate. I said, "What do you think he'll be? 450, 500?" You said, "Yeah, about that." I said, "Fuck yeah!" But when you said okay. if it's 200, I said, "Hmm." More realistically, Pereira should be a minus 300 at what the most. What would you bet Tristan? But Connelly he's such a big to. fan favorite. That's what's going to give him too big of a price. What would tag. you bet him up to? What would I bet Connolly up yeah. to? Like what number are you looking for to jump in? I would have to have at least plus two forty. That's actually, I think you're gonna get. I think I'm gonna get it. I think I'm gonna get it. All right, carry on, sir. Yeah, I think I think I'm gonna get it. And listen, I mean, it's not as if he's taking on some guy who's like a patented wrestler who's gonna got some sick game plan that's gonna grind him for 15 minutes. He's making his debut on short notice up a weight class. He's got a guy that makes plenty of mistakes. The return is that he can knock your head off. But Tristan Connolly's never been knocked out. He's got a TKO loss on his record, but he like bummed out his shoulder like seven years ago or something. Outside of that, he's been submitted a few times, but he's currently now a black belt. He's got 12 pro wins. All 12 of them were by submission. And the guy finds ways to win. He's literally gone from a nobody on the Canadian scene. What I mean by that is just very unheralded to a hell of a run, dude. And this is the biggest thing about him, right? The Ashmashregi fight, he knocks him out in the first round. Adam Asenza, he's the underdog in that fight. He submits him in round two. The Nabokin fight, he submits him in round three. The Lenny Wheeler fight. The Lenny Wheeler fight, Paul, he goes in and says, you know what, Lenny's a fast starter. I'm going to wait this guy out, submit him late. He submits Lenny Wheeler in the third round. The fight with Joey Parati. Joey Parati's undefeated. Joey Parati is 12-1 and currently because he lost here. And going into the fight, he says, I'm going to take this guy into D-bars. Also, Joey Parati wrestled for Wisconsin State. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the very competent fight you'll be seeing in the UFC very shortly. Tristan Connolly, same thing. Goes out there, takes him into deep waters, submits him the fourth round of a championship fight. Tyrone Henderson makes him quit on his stool after one. The Duan Owens fight makes him quit in the, in the fifth. So when you listen to anything on Tristan Connolly, the biggest thing about him is that he's got infinite cardio. He just keeps going. And he's a BJJ black belt. And he's got a pretty good chin. And that's where he's going to give Michelle Pereira a problem. Michelle Pereira is probably thinking the way most people are thinking. I'm going to knock this fucking guy out in the first round. And he'll probably fight that way. He'll probably throw. The guy throws somersault kicks. The guy throws cartwheel kicks. The guy throws like spinning back kicks. It's unbelievable. And it's very flashy. But remember, he's very, very big for the weight class. vulnerable and when you fall down too. Yeah, and when you and get tired. stick the landing on all these uh, all these cage no, jumps and no. stuff No, no. And like if that. Tristan Connolly ends up on you for two seconds, he's going to give you a problem. But more so than that is that if you don't knock him out in the first round, it's going to become like the Todd <sighs> Duffy syndrome. He's going to get tired. Yeah. rounds two and round three round three is Tristan Connolly's best round outside of I don't know how Shane Campbell caught him in that knee bar but let's not talk about that because yeah. obviously he's the underdog for a reason I get it this is like this, I get it 13 this is depressing and six, though Cody 13 like, and 6 lightweight short notice I just want to cheer for Michelle Pereira I guess I you know what I can yeah I can bet Tristan Connolly and then like I kind of win-win either I see something like a flying helicopter kick knockout and and that's awesome, or I uh, or win money. Tristan Connolly. That's a, it's a, a life hedge. Right my there. my last point on this fight because I know we got to start moving on. Mm-hmm. This, but Tristan Connolly actually owns a, a gym in Vancouver called Checkmat. He's a BJJ black belt. He's a head instructor there, right? You trains, usually hate guys trains, that own their own gyms. I know, I know, I know. Trains full time though, because he has the luxury of being able to train full time, and he's actually. 
uh, Cole, sorry, I don't know. He's Cole Smith's, um, one of his cornermen. Like, he cornered Cole Smith for his debut against Mitch Gagno. He's been to the UFC in the capacity of as a cornerman. He, he knows what it's all about. He cross-trains, and he's been training with Cole Smith. He thought originally he'd be getting on this card if somebody dropped out at 155. So he's put in a full camp. But the thing is, is that he put on a full camp and he was still dieting, thinking he'd have to make the weight. So then it's at 170. That didn't work out for him. But it's not as if he's sitting around and picked up the phone. You know what I mean? Like, he'll, he'll be better to go. If I get the right price on him, and I have to get a good price on him. Like, I wouldn't, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm betting him if he's 50-50. I just, I... Is there still no price on them? No. As of right now, no. But, keep, but let's, let's move on. Yeah, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying my pick on here will be Tristan Gold. I know, I know. Listen, Shocker. Trust me, trust me, I know. Shocker, was not expecting that, but hey. We'll see how that plays you out. Now. You now. Feel free to we'll give me grief gets, if it doesn't work out, we'll because if, that could be possible. We'll, we'll see if he gets saftic. Um, we move on to the middleweight division where we have Antonio Carlos Jr. taking on Uriah Hall. ACJ is 9,100, a minus 230 favorite. Hall, 7,100 and plus 190. Who you got? Yeah, originally I was starting. No, there's no odds on it. Originally, I was kind of starting to lean towards maybe Uriah Hall, based on what we've been talking about for a majority of these fights. It's like you just got to stick in it long enough to make the guy pay. And Uriah Hall's made a career out of just like he needs one small moment and he can make some magic happen. But for the rest of the time, he just don't do shit. Very frustrating. He's now 35 years old. Speed's still there. That that one shot power that he's got, it's still there. That stuff could always play a factor for him. But it's like backing this guy. It definitely is difficult because you just don't know what version you're going to get from him. Carlos Jr., meanwhile, like we always knew he had cardio issues. And then, yes, they did rear their ugly head once again in that Ian Heinish fight. My counter to that is going to be that that was good for him. I, he needed to get a three-round fight with him. <clears throat> the last time he went three rounds, that Dan Kelly fight, right? And this, he had the same thing. He faded out and he lost. Yep. But they did him no service by giving him Leonardo Guimaraes, Eric Spicely, Jack Marshman, Tim Boach. He buzzsaws these guys in the first round, and he never developed that gas tank. He never developed developed that ability to go late. Yep. Ian Heinish is durable. Ian Heinish has a good gas tank. When he wasn't able... Listen, he secures four takedowns on Heinish. He gives him a go. He wins the first round. He gives him a good go in the third round. It's just there's not enough. He does get tired. But getting that under your belt... By the way, the Heinish fight, he hadn't fought in a year. So you're coming off a year-long layoff. That's going to hurt your cardio. You already had suspect cardio, and you got taken to deep, to deep waters. Now he's going to have that under his belt. He's going to have the experience, the ring rust off, no injuries, comes into this fight. I fully expect him to shore that up. And the problem with Uriah Hall is even though he's mobile, he needs to stay very, very mobile. Because once he gets backed up against the cage and he gets physically Antonio Carlos Jr. clings onto him, he could potentially give up a takedown. And how has Uriah Hall botched a lot of the fights in his career? He gives up takedowns. Like, he's just, that's always been a problem with him. And at 35, I just don't think he's going to fight the proper game plan long enough. So even though Carlos Jr.'s got that shine that was on him, you know, four straight wins, just mowing through people, it's gone. It, it, it's not there anymore. Yeah. He doesn't look all that sexy anymore. But I think this is the proper matchup for him. Thing is, is that even though he's got a history with finishing opponents, I, I, I don't love the 9100. I really don't. Because yeah. Uriah Hall is... The kind of guy that's not really a risk taker until he's flying through the the air. He's trained like all over and, the place at this point. Yeah, like, he spent a lot of time in extreme couture and syndicate. Yeah, I think he's he's really improved like on the ground though. He's able to like get guard, eh, but against hey, this hey, matchup, hey, that's pretty tough. I just way. find that he's able to nullify offense long you, you enough. You never know to with your eye hall though. Like he is, I, I think he's worth a shot in a GPP. I don't think he's going to be very high owned. Here's my argument for him: if you were going to play. Like I'm talking about the the one where it's like fifteen thousand or twenty five thousand dollars to the to the winner up top. 
I mean, he's going to be probably be pretty low owned, and if he wins, it's probably going to be some sort of spectacular knockout. He 100 has a chance. The other thing with him is that if you're just looking at it historically, Uriah Hall never been submitted. So yeah, it's possible. I wouldn't put him in like a safe lineup. No, I wouldn't put him in a safe lineup. But when he's soaring through the air like an eagle and nailing you with something, especially if Carlos Jr. doesn't submit him, gets tired, Mm -hmm. it's there. And 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 one thing that I'll give Uriah Hall, as far as people say, busted prospect, never lived up to expectations. You know, Dana White said he was going to be the next Anderson Silva, this and that, total bust. These are these are his fights. Uh, well, they did him no service with Bavon Lewis because he was undefeated prospect. What do you want that? Paulo Costa, Gegar Mousasi, the Brunson fight. He went three rounds of Robert Whitaker, the current champion. He knocked out Gegar Mousasi. Like his whole career, yeah, he fought Thiago Santos. I don't Santos. feel like, comfortable he, he, he's laying got, that juice or laying that price on no, ECJ. No, I, I pass. I think yeah. Carlos Jr. will do enough to hold him up against the cage, get takedowns, maybe takes his back. But more so, I think Carlos Jr. will do enough to win and will win. I do not like the price, and I do not like it on the money line or the DraftKings. So yep. from that point of view, I would pass. I generally agree. We got Misha Shirkinov taking on Jimmy Crute. Uh, Crute is 8,200 on DraftKings. Uh, it's a pick em on the betting line. Misha Shirkinov is 8,000. Take it away. Yeah, I, I've been wanting to bet Jimmy Crute in the sense that like, I took him in his first two fights, and you can just tell this guy's getting better. And I thought they'd give him that low middling range light heavyweights for the time being he's only 23 years old he's gonna get better he's gonna have some fun fights and i do see this guy getting them dubs but giving him to misha Cherkinov is a it's a two-way street one way it looks appealing jesus guy's one in three in his last four fights his chin doesn't look all that there some people question if his heart's there some people question if he's making the improvements that are necessary yeah i could beat this guy on the other hand it's like man He's really good on the ground. That's He's a where decent I enough wrestler. Kind of end up getting that's his, that's his problem. That's that going to be a massive problem. We're going to see him. if. Crute's got hands because like he's, he's got he's got enough hands because that's going to be wild. a problem in those types of exchanges. I think he, a lot of his fights we've seen him dominate other guys on the mat. Just like Misha, you got to dominate him on the feet, like on the mat, because unless you're Glover, Glover, or actually Glover knocked him, out. no, mounted him and pounded the crap. Out yeah, of him. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm um, sorry, I couldn't think of it off the top of my head, but uh, but yeah, like, you got to make him quit before you, you gotta can beat be him on the ground. Stronger, or just have way yeah. better technique, and it's tough to really say that Crute's got that. But I interrupted. Well, with, with Jimmy Crute, I bet Jimmy Crute on a hex fight series something they gave lines for it, like hex fight fifteen or something a few years back. But anyways, he's undefeated. He looks good. He gets the win. Sure, he comes to the contender series, and the misleading thing about him is that he's listed as fighting out of Sam Greco's camp in Australia. Sam Greco is an Australian kickboxing legend. Slamming Sammy Greco is the fucking man. So you would expect his prodigy, this young undefeated kid, to have hands. But he doesn't. Like, he's got power, but he just wings them. He's not super technical. But what we saw in the Paul Craig fight is that well, Paul Craig's really only good with his ground game. He's a black belt. He's got decent submissions. And this kid, he hangs with Paul Craig. He reverses Paul Craig. He sweeps Paul Craig. And then he submits Paul Craig. Decent enough. And then with Sam Alvey... You see the hands. You know what I mean? Sam Alvey's got a hell of a chin. Not at this weight class, but Sam Alvey can definitely take a punch. And even though he questioned that it was an early stoppage, Jimmy Crew can do it all. He's young. He's developing, but he's super green. And mm-hmm. back to that Paul Craig fight, he gets taken down four times. And when he does get taken down, he's real tired. Mm-hmm. And he's questioning, how am I getting out of this? But he perseveres. He gets through it. Mm-hmm. When he gets taken down by Misha Cherkinov, and Misha Cherkinov ends up on top, he's in a world of shit. Like, that's where you don't want to be. Yeah, Misha can get caught. Yeah. But, but, but again, if we're talking about levels of competition, uh, you have this young Australian kid that has beaten Paul Craig 
and a ballooned up Sam Alvey mm-hmm. versus me. She lost to Johnny Walker, Glover Texera, Volkan Uzdemir. You know what they all have in common? They're in the top They're 10. The top 10 yeah. So it, it's very easy to be like, Misha's done, man. But it's like, you're not looking at it for what it is. Yeah. One guy made it there and just wasn't quite good enough to hang there. One kid's going to make it there someday, but it's not ready right now. So could he catch Misha? Fuck yeah, he could I mean, catch people Misha. Were ter- people were Misha touting Shurkinov as being the big yeah. new young guy in the division until he went on that three this three-fight losing. And people were talking about like Todd Duffy. Losing those three fights, it's like, okay, now we know the limitations of this guy. Yes, and people were you talking I mean? about Todd Duffy as the next big thing. Yep. And people are currently talking about Pereira as the next big thing. My thing is, is you that ever like, heard of Jimmy Crute? Dana's obviously talking about Jimmy Crute. <laughs> no, I, I love I love Jimmy Crute. I just I personally feel it's a little too much too soon. They should have let this young twenty three year old blossom a little bit. But because the division's so thin, Misha's one and three his last four. He's on his way down. Crute's on his way up. Let's do it. I, I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. This is here to satisfy the Canadian crowd, and so uh, I, I got Misha. And if Misha is going to get the job done, if I if his grappling is as good as I truly do believe it to be. He does get the fight to the ground. Yeah, 8,000, he gets the submission. The the minus, I'm more likely to play at 8,000 and think I got a real good upside here. Yeah. The minus 110, it's like, it's a Misha Jerkinoff fight, dude. Like, what version of him is going to show up? But he looks in good shape. He's also been at the Performance Institute. I'm going to give him one more shot here. So Misha Jerkinoff gets it for me. All right, we got uh, a real sloppy heavyweight fight here between Marcin Tibera, Augustus Sakai. Pretty much a pick them between the two of these guys. Um... It's minus 115 for Tybura, minus 105 Sakai, 8,400 Tybura, 7,800 Sakai. I, this fight just seems like heavyweight, slog fast. These guys go to decision. I wonder what the the uh, the line on the over is because uh, that would be what would be major of major interest to me. I don't really know who's going to win, but I think it's going to be a shitty heavyweight fight that's going to go three rounds. We're going to be like, can the main main card start, please? <laughs> it's kind of disrespectful, but that's kind of how I see this one shaking out. What about you? Yeah, so if the version of Augusto Sakai that fought Chase Sherman shows up, I take him. If the version of Augusto Sakai that fought Andre Olowski shows up, I ain't taking him. And because I don't really know which one I'm going to get, it's, it's a risky pick no matter who you end up taking. Uh, Sakai, the fight with Sherman, he's in Brazil. It's his home country. The majority of his pro fights outside of Bellator are in Brazil. He's comfortable there. I thought his gas tank looked good. I thought he looked extremely light on his feet. I thought it carried through. He gets a third-round knockout. in on Second-round knockout, sorry. In on Augusta Sakai. The fight with Andre Arlovski in Florida. He doesn't look flat-footed or nothing. He's still good, got good mobility, but he doesn't throw. He doesn't throw to the tune, Paul, that he gets outstruck by Andre Arlovski in both all three rounds. Outstruck by him in all three rounds. In the first and third round especially, outstruck by a fairly wide enough margin that I don't know how he ended up with the split decision. It's widely booed, and MMA Decisions has like 11 media members that scored that fight. One of those media members scored it a draw. 10 of those media members scored for Andre Arlovsky by 29-28 or 30-27. It, it was widely considered that Arlovsky won based on Sakai through absolutely nothing. So if he comes in here and does that against Marcin Tabora, it's going to be an issue. But if he just comes out here with a little more volume, Tabora's issue as well is A, he's really lacking confidence right now. And B, it's like he doesn't throw enough. He's a mobile heavyweight. He just doesn't let his hands go enough. And and what I noticed in his last few fights is that he doesn't get his opponent's respect with his punches. Yeah, he folded Victor Pesta like a cheap chair with a head kick. 
But it's like, that's a long time ago, dude. He moves it's good Victor for a heavyweight. Pesta. Yeah. Right. So he fights his last fight is Shamil Abdurakimov, right? And everybody says he's in good shape. Everybody says he went back home to Poland for the camp. He, he was doing his strength and conditioning. The thing is, is that every time he hits Abdurakimov, he can't get his respect. And when Abdurakimov decides to turn it on, put, put it on him, he knocks him out, with it, which is kind of uncharacteristic for Tabura because he's known to have a good chin. So I just feel like this is a guy that's kind of getting a little bit older. He's on his way out. Hell, you know what? There's a KSW card happening on Saturday as well from 1 to 6 p.m. You can watch it on Fight Network. Uh, and, and he'd be more suited to be fighting there at this stage in his career. I, I do believe that. So even though this is completely greasy and just uh, the type of fight that, like you're saying, will probably go to the decision, I think it's going to go to the decision. Sakai's going to outland him. Sakai's going to win probably a 29-28 or a 30-27. He gets the decision victory. I'm not interested in playing it, even though he's only $7,800. But the minus 105, I'd like plus money. He's only $7,800. Like, I should have plus money, and it was plus money. But as our Greek friend would say, the Sharps got to it. And by the time, <laughs> the you're, listening, <laughs> by the time you're listening to this show... It might not be worth it price tag wise, but but I am gonna go with uh, Augusto Sakai, and I do believe he'll look. I gotta hope he looks a little better than that last fight against Arlovski, and if he does, it'll be enough. We have Miles Johns taking on Cole Smith. Miles Johns is eighty six hundred on DraftKings, a minus one forty favorite. Cole Smith seventy six hundred and plus one twenty. Uh, Cole Smith, your boy. You called it out last time, so does he have what it takes to take Johns? Yeah, he's definitely got what it takes to beat Johns. I'm going to personally go with Johns. We'll get to that. But he, he's the thing that he's got going for him, most of all here, is that I do believe it'll be a close fight. And it's going to be a close fight going down in his own fucking backyard. Yeah, he's from Squamish, BC. He's always very adamant about putting Squamish on the map. But like this Victoria crowd's going to be hot for him. He trains in the air. He trains with all the local gyms. Uh, they're going to be all over him. So I do believe this to be a close fight. Johns has got to blow right through him in order to get a clean-cut victory and get the decision. We've seen bad, bad decisions in BC before. And I'm not saying Cole Smith's going to have to rely on a bad, bad decision. I just feel like Johns is going to have to do that little bit of extra. And Cole Smith's going to pose a lot of problems for him. But um, Miles Johns was a state wrestling champion in Kansas. One year in high school, won a state title. He, d- he wrestled one year at a D2 private college at a private university in Kansas, and then got hurt after his first year. He was like the team captain his freshman year, gets injured after the season, discovers MMA, turns to MMA. He's got wrestling, man. This guy can wrestle. We've seen he's also got decent striking as well. Like, he's, he's not big on the kicks, but he's got some loaded hands. He's only got two registered TKO victories on his record, but, like, he, he's got some serious pop, especially in that right hand. And he's got decent submissions. Like, if he clings onto you, he can, he can submit you. He's gotten a good wealth of experience in the LFA organization alone, where he was the champion. He got to go five rounds. He won the title on a five-round split. But, again, it was just, like, one of these fights you got to dig deep and you got to go for. Now he gets his contender series fight, which is that Richie Santiago, right? This Rich, Richie Santiago guy... He might not have been a fucking real human being, dude. I've never seen somebody get shit kicked like that with those shots and just not even phased in the slightest bit. I've seen people get shit kicked with those shots, but it takes a toll. He was just like, he literally was the T-1000. zombie. Oh my God, it was ridiculous. And And then here's the thing. Miles John's got great gas tank. He tires. So that's actually two... This is what happens in that fight, my opinion. Richie Santiago, even, yeah. when somebody takes all your best shots and you start loading up, he's like, man, this guy's really easy to hit. Yeah. You start loading up on those shots and he takes them, geez, dude, that's going to take it out of you. That's that's worse 
two rounds of that is tougher than your five round LFA yeah. fight where you're jockeying for position here and there. But the other thing is, is that he had like a torn groin going into the fight, but he got called, Hey, you're the LFA champ. Do you want this contender series fights? He tasted contender series fights and then he did no cardio prior to the fight. I mean, like he's banged up on the sidelines, doesn't do a whole lot. He does no running. Going into that fight, I'm going to give him the excuse that his cardio wasn't proper going in. And he still looked good. He still showed the skills. But now if you're thinking, man, you know what? His cardio is not all that good. Uh, his wrestling's not all that good. That power, he's only got two TKO wins. I'm going to avoid this guy here. I think he matches up incredibly good with Cole Smith. And that Cole Smith is known as a, a, stri a striker wrestler as well. Only he's not a better wrestler. And even though maybe he has a little bit slight better volume, he's going to have massive troubles with the athleticism and the speed of Miles John. He had problems with Mitch Gagnon in the first round. But as we predicted here on the show, Mitch Gagnon was only going to fight for about five minutes. And then his long layoff and his history of, uh, of injuries was all going to catch up to him. He's going to get tired. That's exactly what happened. He was able to capitalize on that. But again, Miles Johns, I, I don't see him capitalizing on that. And uh, and if he doesn't, he's he's in a world of shit. You know, it's gonna it's mm -hmm. not going to be the most favorable times for him. So I don't know. I think ultimately, a little cool little story as well is that Miles John wins that contender series fight, right? And then he sees Mitch Gagnon booked for some other opponent. I, I forget who the opponent was, but the opponent falls off, and he tells his manager. I want to fight Mitch Gagnon. Please get me that fight with Mitch Gagnon. And you know who ended up coming in as the replacement was Cole Smith. Cole Smith ended up getting that fight in short notice. That's how he made his UFC debut. Miles John watches the fight and after the fight calls his manager and says, fuck Mitch Gagnon. I want to fight Cole Smith. Get me that fight. And they did get him that fight. But he's got to go to the guy's backyard to get it, right? So, I mean, there's always going to be a couple problems there. But I, I just do feel that he's a superior athlete. Maybe not the superior fighter. But that athleticism and that ability to just take the fight to where he wants to get it, when he needs to get it there, that should be the difference here. So give me Miles John. Uh, looking at the 8,600, not interested. The minus 140, yeah, maybe a little bit here and there. But, like, I'm not super confident. And I just think that he should get the win. If, if this fight happens in his own backyard, if this is in Kansas, or he trains a little bit at Fortis MMA, if this is in Texas, and his crowd's cheering, he wins it. Yeah. But uh, but I am, I am nervous. This is business trying to... To, to, you're, you're scared about the home cooking. Canada has a horrible history of, of bad scorecards. Yeah. Like, we like raw, like, we're sorry, sorry, as Canadians Sorry. Say, but uh, we're not really all that sorry. But, yeah, there's a, there's a history of, of us robbing you. Yeah. We're, we're, we're maybe not on, like, Texas level, but, like, we're also not, like, you know, New Jersey. Jer Jersey's usually pretty good, I find, in terms of the scorecards. Yeah. Uh, Vegas is obviously the standard California. Um, we're not quite Texas, but we're like not too far off no, Texas. No. And if and if the discussion was ever had, they said, listen, boys, no matter what happens, and I mean no matter what happens, give Tristan Connolly the rounds. It's like, dog, this fight's not going to decision. The fuck are you talking about? You yeah. can't you can't fix a scorecard fight like that. This is going to be a close fight. I'm not saying it's fixed. I'm not saying that at all. I just mean in close fights, sometimes the cheering gets to you. I don't know. I, I, I could see Cole Smith squeaking this one out in a disagreeable decision, but we'll have to wait and see. Let's move on. We got Brad Katona taking on Hunter Azer. Um, Brad Katona, 8,900 minus 165. Favorite Hunter Azer, 7,300 plus 145. Who you got? Yeah, I thought it was pronounced Azur, but I it's like, I, it's like, I, no, no, I think it is Azer. Azer sounds way more cool. Like if I was in school, Laser, I'd be like, Azer, Azer. I'd be like, my name's Azer for sure. And yeah, your nickname would 100% have to be Laser. Uh, this kid seems like a really fun wrestling prospect, but like beyond that, I don't know that the skill's all there yet. Uh, he looked okay in Dana White's contender series, got a decision victory over another undefeated prospect that people were relatively high on. But yeah, it just seems like uh, his wrestling game is his go-to. He won four 
I don't know. Somebody could actually let me know what this even means. But he won four state titles in high school wrestling at 115 pounds. But they're B division state titles. So I'm assuming there's an A division and a B division. What I don't understand is why you would wrestle four years in the B division and at least not give up one year to try the, I, I, I don't know. Then he wrestled at college for a couple of years. It's a, it's a junior college wrestling program in the States. Not bad. But he, when he comes to MMA, it's like his style, his speed, his athleticism, it's there. I just kind of find that he's super green. And he's a little bit lost when he does get there. And Brad Katona, his problem is his takedown defense is no good. But he's savvy enough that I think he'll be able to make him pay. The wrestling difference between Hunter Azur or Azer and Marab Devashvili is way different. Both guys are wrestlers. Both guys know how to wrestle. But one's got like an American uh, freestyle style where he's going to shoot singles, he's going to shoot doubles, it's going to be quick, it's going to be athletic, he's going to push pace. Whereas, whereas Devashvili is just going to grind you like an axe and never give you a second. That style gave Katona all sorts of trouble. But when when Lopez, uh, Matthew Lopez, the fight prior to that, he's a collegiate wrestling standout. And in fact, he, he wrestled at Colorado. He's a higher level on paper than he is Hunter. not on the same athleticism. No, not as, even As close. either one of those guys. Not even Philly or, or Azer. Right. But again, Katona gives up takedowns. It's that when he does give up takedowns, guys at BJJ Black Belt, guys crafty off his back, guys throws up submissions, guys throws up elbows, guys throws up. Now when the fight is standing, it should be him all day. Like, I don't think Hunter Azer has anything to offer him standing. I mean, Brad Katona is actually a pretty swift little boxer. He's actually a pro boxer as well. Took some fights while he couldn't find MMA fights back in the day. But guy's uh, adequate at standing. This, the one thing that you and I have talked about privately in discussions is that, like, you know how to box. And you're a good boxer. You're a good striker. you got a good chin. you got good cardio. And damn, dude, you're BJJ Black Belt and you got good submissions. You should focus on your wrestling. And he went to SBG Ireland. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know... What would be like, this is the place that's going to shore up my skills. I don't really want to bet anybody from that gym right now. Especially not in a fight where it's like, you better know how to wrestle. Yeah, unless it's on like fight. a Cage Warriors card. Because Azer's going to be on him. Yeah. Um, so who's your pick there? Anyways. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Brad Katona. I could see this fight being close if it is yeah, close. Yeah, 8900 is awful, though. Yeah, we can all agree yeah, on that. yeah. And if this is in Phoenix, Arizona, and all the MMA lab fans are out there, and Azer is on top not doing anything, he wins the decision. Mm -hmm. But if this is in Canada, despite the fact that I do realize Katona's from Manitoba, if this is in Canada, and you're lying on top of him, and he's chopping you with elbows, and fans are cheering for stand-up, like, you're going to lose that fight. Yeah. And, and I do feel like this could be a very close, competitive grinding affair and mm -hmm. uh the minus 165 is totally passable the 8900 is totally passable but the the pick will be brad katona in a fight that for those prices you should probably just walk away from we got jordan griffin taking on chaz skelly jordan griffin is 8700 minus 145 favorite chaz skelly 7500 plus 125 he got yeah y'all must have forgot like people don't yeah, remember chaz skelly's not that silly. bad because chaz skelly's not that bad he's had a lot of bad luck man a lot of bad luck but it's like when he's at his best he's a former NAIA uh, wrestling standout. His wrestling in MMA checks out. His cardio is good. When he gets you to the ground, his submissions are awesome. His last fight with Bobby Moffitt, he never tapped. It's a, it's a controversial, although he's losing. It was a controversial enough fight. Like, he's had a bad run of luck, man. I really do believe that. But, like, when he's at his best, he gives people problems. And Jordan Griffin is the type of fighter that is going to severely be given a problem by Chad Skelly's style. We saw Dan Ige and the success he was able to have. Yeah, this guy's long for the division. He's rangy. He's a good kickboxer. You got to close up that space. You got to get a hold of him. You got to take him to the ground. When Ige wanted him on the ground, he had him on the ground. When he had him on the ground, 
he more or less had his way. Chaz Skelly should be the exact same thing. The thing with Chaz Skelly is that he has had just massive runs of inactivity. He's coming here not quite on a year's layoff, but like 10 months layoff. Prior to that, he took off a year and a half. Prior to that, a couple fights back, you know, he he's kind of at that point where he's only 34. Yeah, he's, fuck, he's 34 years old for the 145 pounds. Like, he is getting up there. 100%, he is getting up there. But I'm going to base this one on styles make fights, and he definitely has the style to give Jordan all type of pressure. I would say pass in the sense that Chad Skelly should be at least even. He should at least be even. Yeah. But he's 7500 bucks and a plus $1,2500. Yeah. I'd like a little more. I don't care about whatever. One twenty five is good enough. Yeah. I'd like a little more, but that's being greedy. But the the seventy seven or sorry the seventy five hundred sorry it's like I'm surprised that it's not body. a pick'em. To be perfectly honest, like I'll take. I the, believe I'll take this fight money. to be a pick'em. Yeah, I have a kickboxer who struggled with takedowns versus a takedown artist who struggled with other takedown artists. Mm-hmm. Okay, well he's not fighting a takedown artist here, so even though Griffin is only twenty nine, he's probably got the higher upside than a thirty four year old Chaz Skelly. It's like it's all time and place, and time is right now. Places Vancouver, BC. And uh, I, I think Chaz Kelly gets his hand raised. We got Lewis Smoka taking on Ryan McDonald. Lewis Smoka, 9,200 minus 220 favorite. Ryan McDonald is 7,000 plus 180. Ryan McDonald was off, like looked horrendous um, in his UFC debut. Um, I would be, I know that UFC, I think we even went on a tilt about it last week about how UFC level, you know, doesn't mean the same thing anymore, but like, this guy looked like on a whole different level of like not ready for this right now. What was his last fight off the top of my head? I can't oh, it was, seem uh, to think about it. Yeah, Gutierrez. Oh, yeah. And Gutierrez just wouldn't go for the kill on him. He hit him with everything with the kitchen sink. Yeah, but just, like, he kind of showed that he doesn't really have that like killer, killer instinct. But yeah, like he was fair. hitting him with fair. everything. That guy he was a standing lame duck target, was is eating everything. Grappling is his strong suit. He's taking on Smolka, who just likes getting into a scrambling mess. The interesting thing about this fight is just like maybe if it ends up being a scrambling mess as Louis Smolka likes it, one, maybe Louis Smolka gets caught in something. It's like kind of got that like bust potential uh, with Louis Smolka because he just loves getting into those exchanges so much. Um, but also, Louis Smolka, if he's winning those exchanges, is going to score really, really big on. That type of style, lots of scrambly, you know, small guys, lots of scrambles, transitions, everything like that on the ground. Like that's how him versus Tim Elliott just turned into like the most obscene, like double stack you've ever seen in your life. I got Smolka here, but uh, and like, yeah, I I actually kind of feel pretty good about playing him on draft. Uh, Ninety two hundred is really expensive. Yeah, you'll have money, but it is you got to pay. But up. like, I, I like Gaethje as a play infinitely more. Right, but like Smoka. I could see, I could see Smoka being like a sneaky, sneaky play here. Yeah, fair. on the DraftKings uh, slate. What's what's your take on this one? Smoka has had moments where he breaks the DK slate because the guy is a. People give him a lot of shit for his wrestling, but it's mostly his takedown defense. Like his takedown offense ain't that bad, and he'll chain multiple. He'll he'll chain wrestling together. He'll go for multiple takedowns. When he is on the ground, guy's pretty solid on the ground, floats on you, he's got ground and pound, got submission attempts, he, he gets multiple transitions, which are going to score you points. But when he's at his worst, it's like, man, he just absolutely shits it. I always felt uneasy betting him at 125 pounds because I just was unsure of the version I was going to get of him. Then he goes on a long losing streak. He don't look the same. He gets cut. 
Turns out he's got like a massive drinking problem. So the mm-hmm. UFC says, hey, he gets his life back together. He went and fought a couple putts opponents on the regional scene. Looked good enough, but they were low-level opponents. The UFC brings him back. He beats Sumajeri, which I guess is a decent win looking back at that. He looked okay last time out. Guy with no ground game. Guy with no ground game. But but Smolka just completely just wrecks him on the ground. It's like, God damn. And then Smolka fights Matt Schnell, another natural 125 and just takes him down, but then right into a triangle choke. Mm-hmm. He's really embarrassed about that. It's like, God damn. If he comes in here motivated, clean, sober, and looks decent enough at 135, it's like, yeah, he's got all the skills to win. I mean, his opponent here, um, Ryan McDonald, he's just, he's very green. He's very basic. He was 10 and 0 in his last fight. He was rated as the number five Axis TV guy unsigned to the UFC. Number five at 10 and 0. He looks at a good, horrendous. Because it's like you can see it and just be like, man, the skills aren't there. But they need somebody last minute to give him to Gutierrez. Gutierrez didn't fight a proper... I don't know. He, there was things he could have done there. But, but the main, like he was never in danger of losing the but fight. But he was never in danger. And it's like, why even let this guy hit me a few times? But it's like, you really get the sense here. It's like, man, McDonald should not be in here. So now it's mm-hmm. like, what do, you, what do you do with this kid? Okay, well, maybe we'll give him a smoke. Because smoke's coming off a loss. He could have a rebound. He's kind of a half-fan favorite. Uh, we got to build him back up. But... Something in my gut tells me that the size will give Smolka some type of issue. Because yeah, if Smolka yeah. doesn't get him down, then we got a stand-up battle between a kid that's willing to go out there and throw and has okay size for the division versus Smolka who's always had like little water gun jab, right? Like he has virtually no power standing. What he did have was he had an awkward frame for 125. But look at the stats here, right? You'll, you have them in front of you, right? Smolka's mm-hmm. what, 5'9"? Smolka is 5'9", Ryan McDonald is 5'11". He's got two inches there, and Smolka's got a tiny-ass little reach on him. He's, yeah, he's they don't have Ryan McDonald's, but he looks long and lean. So McDonald's like, got a 71, but what's Smolka? 68.5. Right, so he's got three inches on the, on the reach department, two inches in the height department. If His Smolka, striking was so bad, I yeah, just don't fair, think he, he's fair, able to fair. keep anybody off. I got, Smol- I got Smolka too. I'm just trying to cover all my But bases. his wrestling isn't great. Maybe he, isn't able, maybe he isn't able to get the takedown. Yeah, I don't feel great about, like, Smoke has let me down when I thought he'd look good. I know. And he's looked good when I thought he was just a mediocre fighter. So, like, it just depends what you're going to get out of him. I know. The, the easiest answer is probably pass. But That's like, why yeah, everyone's here, though. What go are we going to get out of him? I don't know. You know what? The $9,200, if other I people pass on like it, he's a, low ownership. Fuck it, but, I mean. Yeah. But if everybody else is on it, If everyone him, else I, is I on him, I, I still... Yeah, but, like, I feel like that's a pure ownership play. If you know he's going to be, like, really, really low owned, then... And I have no idea how ownership really works. I know Justin Gaethje will probably be like one, or Justin Gaethje and Donald Cerrone will be like super, super owned, which is which obviously makes sense. Anyway, um, I, yeah, pick Smoka for me, pick Smoka for you, but um, yeah, fair. not sold quite yet um, on playing it. Anyway, and finally, your boy Kyle Preplik is in action against Austin Hubbard. Hubbard is eighty four or eighty eight hundred minus one hundred and forty favorite. Your boy Prepolik seventy four hundred and plus one hundred and twenty. What you got? Okay, so what you as, got for us here as, your boy? As, as stupid as this is going to sound, right? Either Ryan McDonald or Austin Hubbard. One of these motherfuckers is going to win. They're both real basic, but they both come forward and they both have heart, and that's going to be enough to defeat either Smoke or Kyle Prepolik. Prepolik's my boy. I feel like I should pass in this fight on the on the thing that I'm giving him the lean, and I feel like that's because of, like the, the personal level. Yeah. He's a better striker. He's a much better striker than Austin Hubbard. But the pressure could be an issue here. Like, if he doesn't sting Hubbard enough and Hubbard keeps coming forward on him, like, he's going to have a problem. Hubbard's got a great gas tank on him. Like, dude just does not slow down. For the most part, anyways, he trains at Elevation at uh, the Elevation Fight Team and Factory X a little bit. And he just got, like, a plethora of guys to work with. For this camp specifically, it's been him and Justin Gaethje getting in 
Lots of work together. And then his other top guy is Corey Sanhagen. And I'll be the first to tell you, this motherfucker ain't even, not even on the same spectrum no. of Justin Gaethje or uh, Corey Sanhagen. Not even in the same universe. But it's like you got to get that work in. He's 27. Uh, his wrestling's not very good, but it's active. He goes for it. He pushes a pace. He tries to lean on you. He tries to be aggressive. If he stands in front of Kyle Prepolek and strikes with him, he's going to get beat up. In fact, he, I don't, I'm not going to say he's going to get knocked out. It shows here that he hasn't. Yeah, he's never been knocked out. But he's going to get beat up. The thing is, is that the guys that have had success beating him in the past, Davi Ramos, Eric Wisely, Sean McMurray, all those guys got him to the ground. All those guys exploited his deficiencies in the grappling department. Whereas Kyle Prepolik doesn't shoot takedowns. Mm -hmm. Kyle Prepolik's going to stand there and try to be counterpuncher. Counterpunching, decent enough strategy against a guy that's really open like Hubbard. But if Hubbard's continuously pushing the action, you're going to have a problem. But this is going to go back to another one of those situations where Prepolik is from Ontario. I don't think there's any type of hometown judging, hometown decision, anything like that. I really don't believe that's going to be a factor in this fight. But like th this fight is who's going to be watching it. If you like a guy moving forward, initiating clinches, landing knees on the inside, making this a, a greasy, rough-and-tumble fight, then you're going to give the fight to Hubbard. If you like effective counter-striking, Prepolik's landing the cleaner shots. Kyle Prepolik is not going to take any damage, but Hubbard's bleeding out of his nose and has a cut above the eye. Do you give it for Prepolik? It it's going to come down to that. I'm, I'm officially going to say Kyle Prepolik. But I, but I, I would say you want no part of this fight. Mm. I feel good about a lot of the fights on this card. I don't feel good about this either way. Maybe, maybe this is the past fight. Maybe if there was a cranberry sauce, which I love this whole card. But if there was a cranberry sauce fight for something that like I'm just gonna pass myself personally, this, this is it. I just can't get it. I can't get a good enough lean either side. Run through them. Run through them. See so you. Okay, so running through them, we're gonna go with Justin Gaethje. We're gonna go with Glover Texera. So. Technically, well, that's our first dog, but whatever. I mean, he's a minus 105. We're going to go with Jeff Hughes, minus 120. We're going to take Tristan Conley. Oh, I'm assuming oh, he's going to be a big underdog. We're going to back him this week. God, I hate saying this. Nah, you know what? What? What are you doing? What are you doing? Antonio Carlos Jr. Are by decision? Are you backpedaling? No, no, no. Yeah. Backpedaling? Did I say earlier I was going to take Hall? I might have. I don't know. This is a fucking pass as well, man. Carlos Jr. by decision. That's That's my pick. But a pass would not be yeah. in order. Misha Cherkinov, he's even. Augusto Sakai, he's technically the underdog, pretty much even. You're going to get a lot of even picks here. We're going to take Miles John, minus 140. I'm going to take Andrew Sanchez, plus 240. One of my dogs have got a hit here. Come on, baby. Come on. Uh, Brad Katona, Chaz Skelly, that's a third legitimate dog. Louis Smolka, and I'm going to go Kyle Prepolik. So technically speaking, that's like four underdogs. If you were to take Prepolik, uh, Andrew Sanchez, Chaz Skelly. Well, technically, here we got Glover, uh, Augusto Sakai. I don't know how he's the underdog. And doing? definitely Tristan Connolly. So it's like there's six. I, I'm looking at six potential decent enough dogs. Yeah, there's there's money three, making opportunities. But three of those yeah. aren't fucking dogs. They're even money fights. Like, yeah, of you course. know whatever. And and by the time somebody actually listens to the show, they may not be. The yeah, dog. and this is UFC Vancouver, but to me, it's UFC <laughs> because there's gonna be a lot of tired fighters on this card. Or or my better impersonation of a tired fighter. Like, <gasps> You normally get that in heavyweight fights because it'll happen after about four or five minutes. But uh, yeah, no, I, I could see this being a fun, I'll bite, potentially sloppy at times card. And I'm totally down for it. It should be a good one. Yes, sir. All right. We have some greasy theories from last week. Ooh. Said that I would read. 
Or that we would read some greasy theories. Uh, is there anyone that sticks out to you there, Cody? Yeah, well, we'll get through them pretty quick here. Sean yeah, we McCormick. Only, we only selected a few of them. Yeah, shout out to Sean McCormick. This one's on to Pogey something. Narc, Sean. But this is a totally... Remember when we went to college? This is a big time inside yes, joke. Yes, and in college they said, don't fucking be doing inside jokes because your audience is not in on it. It's, true, it's only funny to you. This is the internet. We're not it's, on TV anymore. <laughs> it's, not, it's only funny to you. It's not funny to anybody else. So anyways, the greasy theory is Pogey Rob, who's a friend of the show, isn't actually on Pogey. Greasier theory, Paul hides all of his extra cash in the lining of his mat. A hat. Sorry, sorry. His hat, because you were wearing that hat. Because I was wearing the hat. I that would I be a good it. place to hide all of my extra or some of my extra money. One of your but, closest, uh, dearest personal friends I'm, I'm is Pokey Rock. I'm not gonna say on the show whether I hide money in my hat, because then you're then people when they see me in that hat That's are gonna true. try to steal my money. So our boy so, Kyle Richman, DK Handle K Rich Twenty Five. His theory is A B fights in the UFC next year. I read this, stupid me. I read this and I was like, Adrian Broner fights in the UFC. Fuck it, I'm in. Paul was like, No, Antonio Brown. Antonio dumbass. Brown yeah. in the UFC. Yeah. I'm also <laughs> yeah, in. That that hey, dude, dude, look at Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy can make a career out of it. That type of athleticism in six months of training at ATT is all you need. Eight, well, he'd be like, he'd probably be. I don't know how big he is. He's pretty short. He's like five. He's probably like five eleven, maybe six foot. Like weight class. He'd probably dog. he'd probably be like a, a light. Weight. He'd be like a light. No, I think he'd be like a lightweight yeah, or a, or a welterweight. How old is he? Um, thirty, and he's like the fastest, most like we don't have anybody in the UFC that's probably to. on that like athleticism tier. Like he's the best guy in the one of the best guys, or at least you go back to twenty thirteen. He's got the best stats out of anybody in the NFL. Yeah, okay. So, so he's a freaking answer. Like, do we see him fighting the UFC next year? If no. we get if we see he's Logan gonna Paul, he's gonna Logan Paul is having a pro boxing match on a hell of a card. He's by winning the, way. the Super Bowl with the Patriots this year. And that comes from a disheartened <laughs> Bills fan who ha- watches the Bills or, or the, the Patriots win the division and basically the Super Bowl every single year. So like nobody's happy about it, but like they're gonna win. So they're gonna John, win another championship. John McCurdy won this week, so we'll mention his obviously. Yo won one twenty five. Yeah, random draw. Uh I disassociate myself with this comment strictly because maybe he's onto something, and if he is, yeah, I don't want to be associated with this. Putin shows up ringside, sitting with Dana, Dana Trump associate, obviously spoke at the national convention. FBI waits for Dana at the airport. Upon return from Dubai, Trump issues blanket pardon for Dana and names his Secretary of State in second term. Fuck, I like it, but (laughs) I, I don't know what you're talking about. I do not know what I you're talking no about. I have no idea what you're talking about. Move along. A writes Gracie Theory is Andrea Lee's KKK husband will reveal he got his mistress, also known as his cousin, pregnant. Personally, that's my winner. Fuck, that's good. That's that's right on. And then she proceeds to lose. Fucking terrible. <laughs> not good for me. Although you ended up getting I actually ended up on JoJo because you look so for good you. at the way. Not for me. Close enough fight. But JoJo did what she had to do. My girl. She, she had to do what she had to do. Oh, now she's your girl. After you just, I said she was back a long time ago. Last I said she was once again. upon okay, a time. I see, I see how this works. Okay, yeah, cool. exactly. You're only as good as me to your last fight. Uh, Gabriel Rosario, DK handled Gabe seven times, seven X. My greasy theory is that Paul lost his voice because he was singing karaoke at a Korean that. bar the previous night. I told you guys I was getting drunk and yelling the whole the entire weekend before. Yes, but I want to say Paul is actually 0 for 2 on signature karaoke bets where he bets a fan. If you've got a hot lean and Paul's got a hot lean. I'm actually on the 1 and 2. I, I'm just getting oh, at that. Sorry. Just getting at that. Let's see if that's up here. And I, you for know the what? first time you actually still, won one. It still, took you a 5 to 1 favorite. Y.C. Lindsay hasn't posted anything Well, yet. you gotta call him out. I think that. what's happening here 
is that YC Lindsay knows, as a fan of the show, that we record this show on the, tu- on the Tuesday. And he's worried, because I would have actually done it, that I was going to post the video right now. Okay, he said that he was going to get it done on his weekend. I've given a couple things. I actually don't really care when he gets it done, whatever. It would have been... We'll probably You're the up. commissioner. And you know what? I'm putting in a penalty. This is what it should be. It right? should be. It should the be question- out here. It should be in the show right now. We should be all hearing YC's song. And you know what? As punishment... Next week's episode, I'm playing it. Damn! Oh, I, I'm gonna have to ask him first. He's actually he's actually a cop, so like maybe he could he could uh, he could uh, my, mess me up or whatever. But like I'm playing it. I'm playing, my I'm my my better idea. You gotta ask him is as a punishment <laughs> for not being meeting the orderly yeah, time. Like I usually zone. do it really quick. Next week, I'm just saying as like a perennial loser on these things, it's weird being on the other side and like you know you're taking your time. Why see you? Next week's episode. The 20 DK buck question should be what fucking song should you sing? That should be it. And then oh, we'll get, and we're we'll gonna get, get some, we'll get some sweet answers. Like it's gonna be like, it. don't start, stop believing, but it's gonna be Khabibin. Oh, okay, okay. Don't Fair stop, Fair enough. Khabibin. Uh, moving on, we're almost done here. We've got Thomas Phelps says, My greasy theory is not using shampoo makes your hair look better. I'm balding, so I can't speak to that. Paul, you like this one. Is, is this a true statement? I. I think it's actually just, if my hair gets I think greasy, it's actually, I th- it fucking looks way spottier, man. Like I think you gotta it's keep actually, it clean. People use, You're luscious. People use too much shampoo. I probably use too much shampoo too. I actually shampoo every single day. But apparently, people who with like so you're hey, not on Jeff board. Feinberg, who has like just <laughs> yeah. flowing locks, got a luscious. Mane. He's our hair expert around the uh, the PME studio. What, what's here. he say? He said like two times a week, like tops. You gotta be. You got to let those natural oils build up. And that guy's got like luscious locks. I'm just maybe the hair expert on this show. My 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 hair knowledge is is pretty Now, nah, dude, I went to high best. school with this hot babe. And I remember someone's like, apparently she only shampoos your hair like twice a week. And everyone's like, ew. But then as you got older, it was like, fuck, she was a hot babe. I can't believe that scared people off. Anyways, the one that got away. Moving on. Uh, we got Barboza is really a woman. That just kind of made me laugh. <laughs> the tactical. It's so the tactical and then. It really doesn't matter what they wrote, but I don't know why that one kind of made me laugh. It's just like there's, I just don't see how Barbosa is a woman. Now, next to Andrea Lee's KKK husband it, getting his cousin pregnant, this one was the second best. It is the last one. DK Blisters Forty says, "My greasy theory is that Khabib and Islam Makachev captured another Russian brown bear, full grown this time, chained it to a tree, and wrestled it every day to prepare for UFC 242." Whereas that might have seemed crazy. Before 242, seeing that wrestling clinic they put on, woo! I think he's onto something. I think if it wasn't well, like Makachev didn't actually no, use no, the no, wrestling until no, no. round right. three when he's just like, okay, it's a hundred degrees in this cage. Yeah, yeah. So like we're so sweaty, he's like, there's no way that I get caught in something. He wasn't doing that in the round one because obviously that's how you lose the fight against <laughs> Fair, Ramos. fair. But you see, there's two different ways to fight a bear, right? Khabib's approach to the bear is I'm stick to this motherfucking bear's hips like glue, chain wrestle his ass, complete takedowns. Islam Makachev was taking on a different type of bear, where it's like you didn't want to go close to the mouth, which is the submissions and the claws. So it's like, yeah, you got to, how do you not engage the bear and still kick his ass? The That's reason why I would disqualify Nicole Carter's uh, statement here as a greasy theory is because, like, this is just growing up in Dagestan. It's not even a greasy theory. That's just what Khabib does. He literally has a bear, like, chained up at his house. We've seen it before. Could be. I didn't realize you said the name is Nicole Carter. Is this a hot babe leaving comments? She's she's won one of the DK bucks before. I think she's like our demographic has typically been. We probably have like five girls on Earth who. If you are, do not leave the show. 
You are very welcome here anytime. It's a bit Everything of a sausage fest around here, for sure. Around this comment section. Anyways, that's the show this week. That is the show this week. Thank you, Cody Saftik, breaking down the fights as always. Yeah, hope you guys enjoy UFC Vancouver. Pretty decent card from top to bottom in terms of free cards these days. So uh, for Cody, I'm Paul saying goodbye and good luck. Family experience! Experience!